Most people who are founders probably know they need to hire other people. Why don't they? I don't view those as business problems. I view those as problems that I have personally. If I can fix some of those personal problems, that's going to really manifest positively in my business. That's Brad Wyatcher, co-founder of Incentive Pilot. Incentive Pilot allows sales enablement teams to focus on innovation by saving them time on logistics and replacing entire workloads. They use scientifically proven gamification mechanics to engage remote teams at scale and generate up to 300 times more ROI. In this episode, we talk about experimenting with multiple startups at once, how business problems are just personal problems in disguise, and shiny object syndrome. I'm Maureen Taylor. This is Think Like a Founder. One of the things about you is that you've always wanted to create something that was your own. And as a founder, you don't even seek or ask for funding from investors because you don't want to be beholden to them. And why is it important to you aside from that fact? I think there's a couple of reasons. Number one, I have sought and received funding and it did not go well. So there's probably maybe a little bit of gun shy attitude towards that. But I think there's probably a little bit of seeking acceptance for my own path or choices. That's been kind of with me for a really long time. It gets me in trouble sometimes. You know, I'll make mistakes or take the long way around just in order to do it my way. But I don't know, that's one of the big things that drives me. There's something unique and interesting, especially in the startup world, about not taking funding and being able to succeed with it. It's not super common. And something about that being a little more rare really interests me there. If you do have somebody give you money, and if they're not a believer, it's tough because at some point, everything goes through a tough time. And if it's only the return on the money, you've got somebody that's going to ruin you. And also there's a misconception that founders have to work incredible hours and constantly pound the pavement. And if you think of doing everything on your own without getting funding and being able to hire a lot of people, you would think that you would be working so much harder (laughs) than everybody else, but you don't buy into that culture. So tell us about that. If you raise money, you pretty much are committing to growth. You have to, because the people you're taking money from, that's exactly what they want. And so not taking that funding, my partners and I were able to kind of proceed with the business at a pace that's good for us. And so oftentimes that means, yeah, we're not working 60, 70, 80 hour weeks. We're not really driving to get like that insane level of growth for the next raise. There is a price to pay for that, right? We're not on that rocket ship ride. We're not going to grow as fast. We might not make as much money, but on the other side, the benefit is we really can kind of go at the speed we want. And that's a speed that's far more comfortable for us. It's a speed that allows us to actually have time outside of work and not go too crazy. I mean, I like business, don't get me wrong, but I don't live and breathe it every minute of every day. as life goes on, it might be true. A founder is a fact, and then a position is something you choose to do or you get assigned to do. And you have more than one co-founder. You've had a number (laughs) of founders. 
So what is your philosophy and how does that work? So I have two partners right now, there's three of us total. And I can definitely say that the work that those partners do is much different than the work that any employee has ever done for us. You can just tell there's a level of buy-in that these are people that are with me are making sacrifices financially to kind of do this thing. And so it just requires, I think, a little bit of a different commitment that you're not going to quite get with an employee. But having said that, I do think I lucked out a little bit in the partners that I found. And I don't even know that I could say that I would recommend partners. I think I would say that if you can find the right fit, partners give you an insane amount of flexibility. Again, there's a price to be paid for that. But doing some of the things that we've been able to do, I don't think I could have done without the partners I had. Now, they're the right fit. And we went through our shit together. And we've worked really hard to kind of build that relationship. But at the end of the day, it was a little bit of luck. You know, partners that I've had in the past didn't, didn't quite work out. These guys did. And it's been a huge advantage for us. Now, having co-founders has allowed you to experiment with multiple businesses yes. at once and then focusing on what's now your primary business. You were your own incubator as well. So how did yeah. that happen? We always had this three-part master plan, which was we wanted to create this world-class design studio. That didn't necessarily mean we had to hit a certain size. We just wanted to be really excellent at what we did. We wanted to utilize that studio to identify productization opportunities in the market. Working on SaaS all the time, we get to see all these interesting ideas and we come up with a bunch of our own. And then the third step, we wanted to utilize that agency to fund and build these new products. We always wanted to do a digital product. We just didn't have one at the time, right? So we, we kind of focused back on the agency, said, all right, we're going to do this for the time being. It funds us. It's really great work, really interesting building this business. But we know there's going to be a time that comes where we're going to experiment with something that's actually going to click. And so that's actually pretty much what we called them the whole time we were doing that is just experiments. We might build a small little piece of software and put it out there in the world and see if anyone takes notice. And we finally got to a point where we did that and someone took notice. That's kind of how we wanted to do it. We're makers and builders at our core. And so I think that leveraged some of our talents working that way. The additional partners really gave us the ability to say, someone can go off and lead that experiment. And you get that founder mentality of the person doing that. And then the person that's staying back and running the business, you're going to get the founder mentality of that person as well. And so I think it really gave us the flexibility to do that. It, whereas if I was running these businesses solo, I think that would have been a real struggle. You were your own incubator and yeah. to have the time and the people to be able to experiment. Now, I know some people are listening that think they might be a founder or they have an itch that they, sure. they really want to scratch and they don't <laughs> know how and they might be afraid to go for it. So experimenting with these things, how did you pay rent and eat? Oh, gosh. How did you yeah. Have that work? I still have fears and I'm still afraid of things like that. But, you know, I'm, I'm 40 now. I'd say when I kind of really put a lot of effort into this, I was probably around 32. It was a time in my life where I had a lot of flexibility with the lifestyle that I lived. And I always kind of had this, let's say, backup plan where if shit got real bad, I'm making no money. You know, what's the worst living situation I would be in? And that was always okay with me. It was never going to be that terrible. There was always this opportunity to go out and get a job short term. I had saved money and I didn't need a lot of money. So that money went a long way, at least personally. But that for me, I think allowed me to take that step is just having a little bit of a safety net and then knowing that if I needed to, 
I can get a worse apartment. I don't need this car, all that kind of stuff. Like I can make my and claw my way back up. That was always helpful and things did get bad. And you know, there, there were months where we didn't make any money, but it never got so bad where that needed to happen. And also you received um, some good advice from another founder that you should join an entrepreneurship group. Yeah. And working with this group did impact you and gave you insights. And I love this and I'm reading it right now that, <laughs> that you learned that you didn't have business problems, which you had our personal problems. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. How did that conversation happen? We hired this individual. Uh, his name's Chris Ronzio. He has a startup as well. Um, he's farther along than we are. He's had several rounds of funding, but at the time we hired him to come in and kind of consult on our business and basically asked him, what are we missing? Like, come in and look behind the curtain and tell us what's wrong here. And, you know, he recommended one of the things that I do, one of my partners or I, is to join this group. It's called EL. It's a global organization. That kind of was a big turning point because it, it caused me and it caused my partners and I to start really looking at our business and analyzing it. I think almost like you would be introspective of yourself as a person. And what I ended up finding through that is you get a lot of tactics. And those are great because there's sometimes you need to know hey, this is how you should be looking at money and here's some education on that. But the truth of the matter is, is most of that stuff is easy. That's the easy stuff, right? Like I know I need to make a phone call to try to sell what we're doing. The hard part is not knowing I need to make the phone call. The hard part is having the motivation and the desire and the willpower to get up in the morning and then make the phone calls that I need to make. And so I think it just became clear that I wasn't running up against this question of what do I do next? I was running up against this question of how do I do the things that I know I need to do? And that became all about like getting past the fears I have, getting past the anxiety that I have about it. All of that kind of stuff. You could look at it as simple as saying most people who are founders probably know they need to hire other people. Why don't they? They're not holding off on it because they don't know that they need to do that. They're holding off on it because they're fearful. Maybe they're going to spend a lot of money. Maybe they are not good at hiring people and they're fearful they're going to bring somebody bad into the organization, right? They're maybe not a good manager. I don't view those as business problems. I view those as problems that I have personally. And so that's kind of basically how I started to look at it. If I can fix some of those personal problems, that's going to really manifest positively in my business. That is a really interesting and very helpful way of looking at it. And that's not just for a founder, that's for anybody who has responsibility. And now, what's the difference between a founder and an entrepreneur? I think it might be focus. I've struggled, and I know other entrepreneurs that have struggled with maintaining focus. Shiny object syndrome is common. They see something new, they're going to go at it. I think maybe when you get more close to, I guess, maybe the true nature of a founder... You're in it for the thing you're doing, right? You're one business and nothing's going to deter you from growing that. You might struggle with the, the shiny objects within the confines of growing that business, but you're probably not looking for another side project. There is something that people have to realize. Being a founder is lonely, that loneliness is part of it and that that's okay. Oh, for sure. And, you know, for me, depression and anxiety, I think, will be a lifetime battle. Loneliness is definitely an aspect of that. This is one thing that that group was really helpful with, is it did put you in a room with a bunch of other people that kind of got it. And not to say that being an entrepreneur or business owner is anything in particular that's special, but it is, it is a club of sorts, like any other club. If you're a professional athlete, like 
you're not going to get the understanding from someone who's not and who doesn't understand the work ethic that takes. And so, yeah, it feels lonely sometimes if you're not able to talk to friends and family about that. My family has no general concept of what I do or anything like that. And for a long time would always ask, hey, when are you going back to school? That does feel lonely there. You know, you want, I think, people to accept what you're doing and have an understanding. But the truth is, is the people I've found that do generally are other business owners. That's another area where I'd say having the partners is great for me, at least right now. I like to build something with other people. Having those individuals that kind of get that as well, like that's kind of innately built into my business. What's happening right now, I don't know if you're finding this, but in a bad time or a weird time, usually high-performing team people come up and they perform. So they choose to commit. The thing is, high-performing people do not know how to take care of themselves. They just keep going. I would say in a lot of ways, I do take care of myself. I go to the doctor, but I don't know how to rest and relax, really. And it, it is hard to learn to kind of give yourself that. I think when you're taking on so much responsibility of owning a business, being a founder, being an entrepreneur, that's something that I personally struggle with a lot. And it prevents me from really like recovering on the weekends and taking those small little bits of time to actually rejuvenate. Do you worry? In general, yeah. I mean, am I doing enough? Am I doing my part? You know, the big one, I handle a lot of the finances as well in terms of what I do. And, you know, is the money around the corner that we think is around the corner going to be there when we get there? That's always worrisome. I can say this, though. I don't worry so much that it keeps me up at night, at least not consistently. Every now and then something's going to pop up, right? There's always going to be a crazy thing. But for the most part, I think building more of that support system within my business, being better as much as I can about taking care of myself has by and large kind of removed a lot of that from me. It took time. Again, I started around 32, I'm 40 now, so I'm eight years into it, let's say. I've made some huge headway, still got a long way to go, and still get worried from time to time, but not to the point where I'm kept up at night. I sleep okay, I sleep good. Let's not even say okay, I sleep good. So there is the loneliness and the responsibility. So that's yeah. heavy on one side of the scale. On the other side is the freedom to pursue that which you want to do to make the world a better place. Your job is to just keep it even. Part of my personality is a tendency to want to own everything. And it doesn't end up being productive. Like I legitimately remember at times where I would stay in the office and not really do anything, but just feel like I needed to be there to quote unquote work, but I wasn't getting anything done. And so I struggled to kind of give that to myself to say, hey, I'm not going to take responsibility for this. I don't need to. And I can accept that about myself. But there was times where it was helpful for me to, I think, ask my partners and say, hey, I'm burnt out on this. I can't do this right now. I can't take this on. Are you guys okay with that? And having them say, yeah, man, no worries. Having those discussions with them and getting that acceptance from them is probably one of the biggest things that tipped the scales for me from balancing that responsibility with the freedom to it being a lot more freedom. Do you believe in luck? In the capacity, I think, where you make it, if that makes sense. So, I mean, look, there's chance, right? There's always going to be chance. But, you know, if you put yourself in the position to get lucky, that's definitely where I believe in it. You put yourself in the position to have the opportunities in front of you, you're going to get more opportunities. And so for us, I think that's just putting ourselves out there, you know, trying to do the best that we can, knowing that if we do good work for one person, 
luck is going to be on our side because they might tell somebody else about us or we'll have someone great to refer them to to talk to about the work that we do and that kind of thing. And so in that capacity, I absolutely do believe in it. But I don't think we've lucked into the success that we've had completely. I think it is a result of a lot of hard work. So this person is out there and they're listening. What advice would you give them? Do what you want to do. I'm not really into the fluff of the follow your passion per se. You know, I'm not dying to get in and work in my business every moment of every day. It's definitely work aspects of it. I think what I've found though are the things within it that are meaningful to me. And so mastery is important for me. Building a team I didn't think would be important for me, but is very important. I like building things with other people. And so a lot of the details tend to not matter as much. And I think that could probably be true of someone no matter what they're kind of aiming for, whether that be a job, a profession, or to start a business. Specifically with the business stuff, I'd say try it. Worst thing that happens, it doesn't work and you can go get a job. I mean, <laughs> you know, you'll learn a ton of stuff. There's the old adage, you know, don't be afraid of failing. That takes a lot of time to get over. You know, <laughs> I'm still afraid of that, but less so now. And I know it's a big part of everything I do. I've failed at other businesses and I don't look back and say, man, I wish I never did that. That was Brad Wyater, co-founder of Incentive Pilot. Incentive Pilot works with sales enablement teams to create interactive and memorable digital contests. Their SaaS platform automates communications, helps organize budgets, sends rewards, and leverages games at scale. You can learn more by going to IncentivePilot.com. Series producer is Mike Sullivan. Sound design by Mark Reed. Content and scripting by Jason Drown. Production coordinator is Natasha Thomas. Thanks also to Roisin Hunt, Selena Persiani-Shell, Matt Johnson, John Hughes, and Ren Vera.